Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. And then complete frustration set in. You know what I'm talking about, Blazer fans. This is Aaron Fetches with the Oregonian, bringing you the Blazer Focus Podcast, brought to you by Bymart and Fred Meyer. And it's just that point in time, if you weren't already frustrated with this team, you have to be wildly frustrated at this point. What was that on Sunday night? Really? 44-24 after the first quarter against a Charlotte team, minus Devontae Graham, minus LaMelo Ball, minus Gordon Hayward. Seriously? And I don't care that Damian Lillard didn't play. That shouldn't matter in a game like that. You have a small margin for error with this team, and it's pretty much zero, to be honest with you. You cannot lose games in which you should win. Like, you just can't if you're Portland right now. So we're going to talk about that bad loss. I am going to offer a little bit of rationalization for it. You know, a little bit of, well, you know, maybe it wasn't completely hideous in the grand scheme of things. But I'm also going to keep it real and just say that that was a bad loss especially if this team cannot figure out how to beat quality teams because the rest of the schedule, as I have been talking about in every podcast for the past like three weeks, is treacherously difficult, continues to be so. It has been since Milwaukee about, uh, what was that, uh, 10 games ago? Not even that. And it's going to continue to be tough the rest of the way. So to lose a game like that seriously hurts. I'm also going to get into the Blazers' defensive rating. It's actually improved. Believe it or not, not the overall rating, but in a, in, a, in a stretch of games, the last 12 games, it's improved. But does that mean anything? I'm going to talk about that. And then last but not least, I'm going to go in on the whole Lillard situation with the MVP award. That is not looking good. That, that situation is fading away fast. Uh, I believe it's injury related. I believe he's not 100%. Clearly, he's not. He just missed two games. But I think beyond that, his body is breaking down a little bit. And if he's going to make a run and get back into serious discussion for this award, which I do not believe he is at or near the top of the list on most MVP watch list right now, he's going to have to start going bonkers. All that coming up here on the Blazer Focus Podcast. Okay, before I get to my original list of topics today, I had to jump in here and sort of shift gears a little bit because the Blazers recently released their injury report for the Clippers game, and it appears that Damian Lillard and Yusuf Nurkic will not play against the Clippers. 
For Lillard, that'll be the third game in a row he will miss with the hamstring injury. He uh, missed a game earlier in the year because of an abdominal strain against Philadelphia, and they won that game, by the way. They're actually 2-1 and one when he is out, but he's going to miss his third game in a row with the hamstring injury. Hamstrings are tricky, and you have to start wondering, you know, is this thing going to linger on for a while, or is this a precautionary situation? Coach Terry Stotts has pretty much said that it definitely was bothering him. And it's one of those situations where if you push it, he could really rip it up or really strain it and then he's out for weeks on end. You need to be careful with that type of injury. Now, this could be a situation where they're merely sitting him out Tuesday because they play back-to-back and they have a game Wednesday against Denver. This definitely is why Nurkic isn't playing. He's listed as being out because of knee management. Now, if you remember a few games ago, he actually against the Clippers, he didn't play because of knee inflammation. And then when they had a back-to-back situation against Detroit and Miami over the weekend, I think it was like last weekend, he didn't play against Detroit because of knee management, basically because they did not want him to play back-to-back games with Miami the next night. So you'd rather have Nurkic against a better Miami team than you would against a weak Detroit team, and they blew out Detroit anyway. So he is not playing against the Clippers, and I would imagine he would be back against Denver on Wednesday. So if you're the Blazers, you have a choice here, right? If, if you're doing load management for Nurkic, you kind of got to be realistic, right? Like which game do we have the best chance to win with these two? The Clippers are playing great basketball. They've thumped the Blazers twice. And I'm not saying this is why they're both sitting out. For all we know, Lillard could miss another week. I don't know. We do know that Nurkic is sitting out one and not the other. He should be back Wednesday against Denver. But the most winnable game of the two by far is Denver. The Nuggets just lost Jamal Murray for the season. They're still a really good basketball team. But the Clippers have throttled the Blazers twice. They're just a better team than Portland. And they're a better team than Denver. So you almost want to say, okay, let's not play either of these guys. Let's give them the night off so they can come back stronger for Denver. And now we have a better chance to win the Denver game. We would probably lose the Clippers game with them, or at least in a situation where Lillard's not quite 100% and you're going to sit Nurkic anyway because you want to save him for Wednesday. So it just becomes kind of a little little bit of a math problem there. And you just say to yourself, you know what? Let's sit them both, try and win the Denver game, which makes sense. We will see how this plays out moving forward with Lillard's hamstring. Again, expect Nurkic to play Wednesday. Nobody seems to know yet what the deal is with Lillard in terms of how long he will be out. Maybe he comes back Wednesday against Denver, or maybe this is going to be a more extended time away for Lillard. We shall see. Okay, first things first, I'm going to try and be positive here about this Charlotte game. Very disappointing situation for the Blazers. You have a chance to finish the road trip 2-0. You already defeated the uh, San Antonio Spurs on Friday, excuse me, and you did so by making a nice comeback in that game to win it. Very impressive on the Blazers' part, and you should be able to close it out against a Charlotte team. That's solid. I mean, don't get me wrong. This this Charlotte team has still been pretty decent. They're 28-28. and 28. They did lose four in a row, but prior to that, they did also beat Milwaukee. So it's not a horrible team, but they were missing three key guys. Yes, you're missing one, but if the other team's missing three, you're missing one, even if it's your best player, you have enough talent to where you should take that team out. Now, here's the rationalization where you can say, well, it wasn't that awful, okay? Number one, teams get hot in the NBA. They shot 77.3% in the first quarter. That's just ridiculous, clearly. I mean, how do you 
how do you deal with that? Unless you shoot 75%, well, you're gonna fall behind. And even if you shoot a reasonable percentage, you're going to fall behind pretty big. The Blazers shot 40%, eight for 20, scored 24 points. They didn't shoot well from three point range, obviously, but you know, 24 points in the quarter is not good, but that's enough to where at worst, maybe you're down 35, 24, what have you. But in this case, Charlotte just went ballistic. <laughs> seven of 10 from threes, uh, Terry Rozier, Scored 17 points, made 7 of 8 field goals. Now, some of that, of course, is on the Blazers for not playing quality defense, which is something they haven't done all season. But at the same time, again, you make that many shots, you're going to take a big lead. So these things happen. To point to an example of these things happen, you don't have to go too far. You can look Sunday night, the Dallas Mavericks, who are in 7th place, right behind the 6th place Blazers, were hosting Sacramento. So they were at home, not even on the road. They're playing a Kings team that's 23 and 34, so a lesser team than the Hornets. And the Mavericks, who are chasing the Blazers, lose 121 to 107. And in the process, they gave up 45 points in the second quarter to the Kings. So there you have it. There's another team that's a solid NBA team in Dallas playing a bad team, a team that's worse than the Hornets, and they give up 45 points in a quarter <laughs> against the Kings team. The Kings ultimately shot 49.4% in that game, whereas Dallas actually shot pretty well, 48, excuse me, 44.8, but that wasn't enough to make up for that 45-point quarter in which Dallas scored 30. Dallas won the third quarter and then lost the fourth quarter. So anyway, the point is Dallas Mavericks got hammered for 45 points. Another great example is that and this is something Stotts pointed out in the post-game press conference when he was asked, how do these things happen? Is he pointed to Saturday night when the Phoenix Suns, who are 40 and 16, the second best record in the league, they're hosting the San Antonio Spurs, the same Spurs team that the Blazers just defeated. And the Spurs sat out DeMar DeRozan, Jacob Podol, and Patty Mills, three key players. DeRozan's their best player. And they went out there and shot 50.6%. They made 12 of 29 threes. Phoenix, second best record in the league at 40 and 16, shot 22.2% on threes, committed 14 turnovers and just looked horrible. And guess what? The Spurs won 111 to 85. And that was in Phoenix. So those two situations are far worse than what the Blazers did. And let's not forget, too, the Blazers won a game earlier this year where they were down Lillard, they were down McCullum, they were down Nurkic, and they won a game at Philadelphia, which right now has the best record in the East. So it's the NBA. These things happen. Weaker teams beat better teams all the time. You know, the Hornets are not a bad team, although they were missing some key guys. The Blazers were missing Lillard. They got hot for a quarter. Bam. That kind of stuff happens. What are you going to do? The only problem I have with that is that I don't believe with the Blazers, this is truly some isolated fluke thing that happened that you just say, ah, it's the NBA, who cares? It may be that, right? But at the end of the day, I think it's more than just that because it's, it's time to start just saying the Blazers are what they are. And they're just a solid team that can look great on some nights and look really bit bad on other nights. And they have no chance to make any noise in the playoffs because they can't match up against good teams. And because of their inconsistencies, you're just going to get nights like that more often than not. And they just are, you know, what, what they are. And there's no reason to believe they're going to get better. There's no reason to believe they're going to win a first-round series. There's no reason to believe anything beyond the fact that 
this team is going to continue to flounder against the better teams and they're going to beat bad teams and against decent middle of the road teams, they could win or they could lose. And this is why I say this. They right now in their last since, well, let's go back to the start of the um, second half of the season. The Blazers over that stretch are 11 and 10. It doesn't get much more average than that. I mean, let's just be honest. They're 11 and 10. Since McCollum returned on March 16th, they are 10 and 8. Since the final 25 games of the regular season started, to the last third of the season, the final stretch, began with Milwaukee, they are 3 and 6. And that includes four blowout losses. Miami, Utah, the Clippers, and Milwaukee. This is who the Blazers are. I don't believe you even look at the first half of the season anymore because all we heard about during the first half of the season, oh, we're waiting for CJ. We're waiting for Nurkic. Well, those guys are back. And you played a lot of mediocre teams in the first two-thirds of the season. You showed clearly during the first part of the season that you weren't very good against winning teams. You got blown out by the Clippers. You got blown out by Phoenix. Lost to Denver. You know, there are other losses in there that are kind of inexplicable in terms of the the, the margin of uh, defeat and or the opponent. They did a good job of, you know, maintaining themselves and remaining a threat given all that they had lost. You know, they were 21 and, and 14 at the All-Star break. That was quality given everything they had been through. But they have not improved despite trading for Powell, despite getting Nurkic back, despite McCollum. They've declined. And they've declined in part because they're playing more winning teams and they're getting hammered by those teams. And so that's why when you go out and you play a Hornets team that's banged up, you have to get that win. Either A, just to get the victory because you know some losses are coming because your schedule is going to continue to be difficult, or B, just to demonstrate that you have the wherewithal and, and the, the, the urgency and the, the sense of purpose to go out there and just dispose of the Hornets and move on. Just, I mean, just that alone. And that simply wasn't there. Now, again, Charlotte shot well, you shot poorly, these things happen. But when you stack up everything else that's gone on <laughs> in, the, in the second half of the season and the last eight games, this isn't just, oh, one of those nights. This is who they are. They're just not a very good, I mean, well, I shouldn't say they're not very good. They're good, but they're just not, they're not great. They're not, they're not special. And Carmelo Anthony said something, you know, he said, you know, we, we get the urgency and we want to get better and improve and basically peak at the right time. We need to beat the teams we're supposed to beat. And I got to thinking to myself, I'm like, you know what? I kind of believe right now the Blazers are a team that many other teams believe they're supposed to beat. It's not about, anymore about the Blazers. Oh, we're supposed to beat the Hornets. We're supposed to beat Minnesota. They split with Minnesota. We're supposed to beat Oklahoma City. Okay, yeah, he blew them out. Great job. It's not even about that anymore. It's about good teams probably view Portland as a team that we're supposed to beat. And that brings me to my next thing I want to talk about here is the fact that the schedule ahead only continues to get even worse. The Clippers have whacked the Blazers twice this season. Most recently on April 6th, 133-116. to Well, the Clippers are back in town on Tuesday, and they have been playing very well. And then Denver comes behind the Clippers on Wednesday. So you have back-to-back games 
against the Clippers and Denver. Any chance the Blazers sweep those two games? Not likely. I mean, it could happen. Maybe on Thursday I'll be here saying, oh my God, I can't believe they swept them both. But I don't believe it's, you know, a, poss- a probability. <laughs> it's a possibility, not a probability. So that's why losing to the Hornets stings because you could easily lose both those. And even if you split, great. Guess what happens next? You have back-to-back games coming up Friday, Sunday against Memphis. Now, some of you might be thinking, well, Memphis, well, they're not that great. Memphis is on a roll right now. Memphis just beat Milwaukee. Memphis has won 7 out of 10. Memphis is right there in the mix for playoffs. Well, they're in the eighth seed right now. They're 29 and 26. They're only two and a half games behind the Blazers. So you have two teams. You have Dallas two games behind the Blazers and Memphis two and a half games behind the Blazers. Both have been playing really well. Dallas has dropped a couple lately, but Luka Doncic has been tearing it up and they're looking pretty good and their schedule is very soft the rest of the way. And you got Memphis coming into town for two games. Based on how the Blazers have been playing as of late, I see them going one and three. And I'm, I'm basing this on what we've seen. They should get blown out by the Clippers, blown out by Denver, and split with Memphis. That's just based on what we've seen since the start of the second half of the season, which began with the loss of Phoenix. They play good teams like the Clippers in Denver. They get rolled. Memphis is a team right above 500. They split that, they split that two-game series. If they end this week one and three, I guarantee you that Dallas will probably end up either tied with Portland or just one game back because Dallas, the next four games, has Detroit, the Lakers twice, and then Sacramento. They're going to beat Detroit. They're going to beat Sacramento. The Lakers, they'll probably split with. If they just go two and two and the Blazers go one and three, they made up a game. They're within one game. If they go three, if they somehow go three and one, get a split with the Lakers, now they're tied. So I'm just giving you an idea of what the schedule discrepancy is. And then after that, they got Golden State, Detroit again, Washington, Sacramento again, Miami, Brooklyn's tough, and then Cleveland, Cleveland. <laughs> so you see what I'm talking about, which, how, how easy that is for Dallas. So Portland, if they go one and three this week, do they get a reprieve after that? No, they don't, because 13 of their final 16 games come against winning teams. This is why losing that Hornets game it, it, it just it hurts you in terms of just getting that win, knowing many more tough games are coming. And it just further reaffirms the fact that this team just isn't that good. They are what they are. They're destined probably to end up in the play-in round and then get knocked out there. Or maybe they can get it together and take care of business against the 8-9 the and nine team. But even if they do get into the playoffs as a 7 or 8 seed, they're going to play Utah or Phoenix. Any confidence in them winning that series, either series, Based on how they played? No. So the only way they're going to avoid that and or show that maybe they can beat a team in the first round is by getting victories over very good teams the rest of the way, and they can't even beat Charlotte. Needless to say, that doesn't appear to be very promising. Okay, now let's address the defense, mainly because Stotts brought it up in a positive light, talking about their ranking over the last 12 games. So let's first hear from Terry Stotts. This was when he was asked if he still felt positive about the team's direction, given what had happened lately with the Blazers. Obviously, Dame didn't play, and Dame's a big part of our team. So when Dame's healthy, I think Nurk is rounding into form. Um, so, yeah, I, I like where we are. It's, we got a tough schedule. There's no question. There are going to be some ups and downs the rest of the way. But, um, you know, we, we've been – since we've added Norman and Nurk to the team, we're – 
I think last count, we were 16th in defense. I think that's going in the right direction. We get Dame back. Uh, I was encouraged by our offense against Boston uh, to win a close game at San Antonio. So there's some positives. Obviously, this first quarter uh, of tonight's game uh, kind of dampers it a little bit. But uh, I think overall, we're going in the right direction when we have everybody. Okay, that was Stotts following the loss to the Hornets. Now, you heard him mention the defense playing better. What's interesting is he said before the second half of the season that his goal for the defense was that they would finish from that point on in the top half of the league, maybe, you know, 14, 15, somewhere in there. He didn't mean collectively for the season. He meant from that point on, they would be a top 15 defense. Um, Of course, this seemed, you know, pretty implausible, but he believed, hey, I'm getting back. Uh, Nurkic, McCollum's coming back at some point, and he probably knew a trade was going to be on the horizon, so that was his goal, more power to him. It didn't begin well. They got blown out by Phoenix. They gave up a lot of points to Minnesota. The Pelicans scored 124 on them in a loss to Portland, and then they gave up 125 to Dallas a couple games later. Uh, Excuse me, they gave up 119, then they gave up 132 in a blowout loss to Dallas. So it just wasn't going well. But lately, they've played a little bit better on defense, And in reality, in the last 12 games, they've ranked 18th in defensive rating, which is considerably better than 29th, which is where they are on the season. However, the the problem with that is that of those 12 games, five have come against pretty bad teams. So you're looking at wins over Orlando, Toronto, Detroit, and Detroit again. Those four teams are not going to the playoffs. And then you also have a win over Oklahoma City, 135-85. That team's not going to the playoffs. That's not even really an NBA team at this point. That game alone, 85 points, you know, definitely elevates your defensive rating and makes up for, say, the 133 you gave up against the Clippers. So five of the games came against bad teams that are not going to make the playoffs. And then of the other seven games, five were basically blowout losses. <laughs> so you beat up on five really bad teams and you got blown out five times, but hey, you were 18th in defensive rating during that 12-game stretch. Eh, I'm not sure I buy that as really being a thing. But if you want to remain hopeful, you would say to yourself, okay, if Nurkic can continue to get healthier and if Powell continues adjusting to the team and they can find a little bit better cohesion and they're truly ironing out some wrinkles and fixing some defense detail, excuse me, in their defense, then maybe they could be a team that's top 20 instead of 29th in defensive rating, maybe the last 10 games of the season against good competition and into the playoffs. That could be the hope, but right now I'm not seeing any evidence that that's going to be a thing because they're not going to play, they're only going to play three teams that are pretty much out of the playoff race the rest of the season. And that 12-game stretch included five games against teams that are out of the playoff race. So I need to see more than what they've shown for me to believe that the defense is actually improving. Okay, the last thing I want to touch on here on the Blazer Focus podcast brought to you by Bymart and Fred Meyer is the MVP race. NBA.com released their latest MVP uh, rankings on, uh, that was Friday, and Lillard is now fifth in that ranking. Number one is Nikola Jokic from Denver. Number two is Joel Embiid, who has missed a lot of games, but has been really playing well lately, and it looks like the games missed, it doesn't matter that much 
to them. That doesn't mean it won't matter to the voters. And then Luka Doncic is number three, a guy that maybe two months ago I was started warning that he was going to move up the ladder on this list. And in some recent podcasts, I've talked about how he has a really easy schedule the rest of the way. If he can get Dallas into the top six, which I think he can, if the Blazers continue to fall backwards, uh, then he's definitely going to be an MVP candidate. He already is. And then, of course, Giannis from Milwaukee, the two-time reigning MVP, has moved to number four, 28 points, 11 rebounds, six assists for him. And then Lillard now is fifth. This month is the month of April has not been kind to Lillard. He's going to miss his third game of the month when they play the Clippers on Tuesday night. And in the games he has played in, which is seven, the Blazers are two and five. He's shooting 38.5% from the field and averaging 21.3 points per game. In the month of March, when he was really ripping it up, he was averaging 29.8 points per game and shooting 44.3% from the field on a season averaging 28.7 points per game. So he has fallen off dramatically. He's going to miss another game. If he continues to miss games and he continues to lose against good teams, it's a wrap on his MVP candidacy. I would say right now that he has to come back healthy at some point soon and rip off like an eight-game stretch where he's averaging 40 and they're beating some good teams. And then people will say, hey, that's the MVP candidate we all remembered from earlier this season. But right now he has fallen off dramatically. And if he continues along this pace, I mean, he might be lucky to finish eighth or ninth in the voting when it's all said and done. All right, that's it for this edition of the Blazer Focus Podcast. Thanks for listening. Brought to you by Bymart and Fred Meyer. Be sure to click that subscribe button so you don't miss a single episode. I'll have another one coming your way Thursday after the Blazers will have played both the Clippers and the Nuggets. Could they lose both or do they split? If I'm the Blazers, I'm hoping for a split. That might be the best you can hope for given their current injury situation. Thanks for listening, and I'll be back Thursday.